I've been saying it all along. This is a study in contradiction, a staggering contradiction. It is the upheaval of a society. It is the dumbing down of a society. It is the attempt at controlling a population. It is all of these things based on so many different events that have taken place that all have one thing in common, removing the will of the people and eroding cultural standards of decency. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of The Jamie Dury Show. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so one of three easy ways. Go to the iTunes App Store and the Google Play Store, whichever device you use, and simply search out The Jamie Dury Show podcast and click subscribe. If you, for some reason, prefer to use something other than your native podcast aggregator app, simply search out The Jamie Dury Show uh, on Podbean. You can download that free Podbean app from either of those two Play Stores, and you can subscribe that way. Either way, you'll be able to leave comments, leave reviews, and we are in very, very uh, strong need of both to help us grow the show and continue to get our message out. As it is increasingly clear that you can no longer trust the mainstream media since they're all towing the same line and they're in cahoots with the powers that be right now, which are responsible for the all, all of the aforementioned maladies that I've just enumerated in my opening, it's more important than ever that you be very scrupulous in the news sources that you choose. Now, I know what you're all saying. Where have you been? Where have you been? Well... <clears throat> As I've said many times in the past, this podcast is relatively new as podcasts go, and I've made a pretty good effort since July of last year to get it off the ground. Uh, Certain points of the year, I have more time to devote to it than others. I I do it all myself. And so at this time of year, my other businesses place uh, big demands on me, uh, and one of those businesses requires that I use my voice a lot. And I wasn't feeling good for the past couple of weeks. My voice was kind of hoarse, maybe a little touch of laryngitis, a little cold. And uh, so I needed to save my voice for the other business. Uh, But now that most of those obligations are taken care of, I just had to reach out today and comment on a few things that I hope I can put in perspective for you. First and foremost, this elephant in the room, the COVID virus, and the government's response to the COVID virus. It's getting a bit obscene right now. And when I say obscene, it's getting more and more like the action of a totalitarian state, both at the federal level and at the state level, depending on the state that you're in. For instance, here in my home state of New York, the New York legislature is preparing in their upcoming legislative session, which is scheduled for January 5th, to vote on a bill. It's called Bill A-416 that would grant permissions to remove and detain cases, contacts, carriers, or anyone suspected of presenting a, quote, significant threat to public health and remove them from public life on an indefinite basis. Now, this bill represents a serious risk, according to this article by Kay Smith, written just a few days ago, 
to the basic liberties of all Americans in the state of New York, including their right to choose whether or not to receive medical treatment and vaccinations related to the thus far undetermined contagious diseases. This bill, if passed, would give the governor of New York and his or her delegates, including but not limited to the commissioner and heads of local health departments, the right to remove and detain any individuals or groups of people through issuing a single order. The orders only have to include the individual's name or reasonably specific description of the individual's or groups. They can hold this person or group of people in a medical facility or any other facility that they deem appropriate. The language, it says here, is purposefully vague. Now, the bill does attempt to state that no one shall be held for more than 60 days, but there is language that allows for court orders to waive this maximum detention time. After 60 days, the court is allowed an additional 90 days to consider the detention of an individual, a cycle that can last indefinitely, per the opinion of the department. Now, this is ridiculous. If you're someone that pisses off someone in the state of New York, they can use this to basically keep you incarcerated in perpetuity. And even if they don't keep you there forever, if you're someone who operates their own business and you're suddenly snatched off the street and locked away for 120 days, do you really think your business is still going to be there when you come back? This is a threat and intimidation. Now, I entitled this episode, A Study in a Staggering Contradiction. Now, what is the contradiction? Well, the contradiction is while the New York State Legislature wants you to think that they're acting on your behalf and are concerned with your health by granting themselves this unbelievable authority to incarcerate people based on a whim because they might be sick or they may not have got, gotten unvaccinated and they've uh, gotten vaccinated and therefore pose a health risk from a virus with a survival rate of 98.3% and a mortality rate of only 1.7%. This same government is perfectly fine having legal shooting galleries in the, st- in the city of New York for heroin addicts to shoot heroin safely. Now, of course, intravenous drug users pose no health risks or dangers to anyone in society. And, of course, people who rob and steal and murder, I think murder is a pretty disruptive thing to your health, um, with the new bail reform law, you can't even keep these people in prison. So I have a suggestion. Anyone who was out there um, potentially incarcerated should this thing pass for posing a vaccination risk, why don't you commit a crime before they get a hold of you and try and leverage that and say you need to be released because, uh, according to bail reform, they can't keep you here. But you follow my logic. With a month left... With a month left in office, you've got Bill de Blasio opening up the first legal shooting gallery for drug users in this entire country. When you got four weeks, most people are just looking to see what they're going to do next, uh, find their new retirement home. But this guy, he just doesn't stop. And he thinks he's done a great job. Overdose prevention centers, quote, are safe and effective way to address the opioid crisis. I'm proud to show cities... In this country, that after decades of failure, 
a smarter approach as possible. Yes, the nonprofit-run centers, New York Harm Reduction Educators on East 126th Street in Harlem in Washington Heights, corner project on West 180 Street, open Tuesday. Harlem, we're on Lexington Avenue in the 28 Precinct back in the 70s for 17 blocks in a row. You had nothing but junkies, heroin addicts, and people in the throes of withdrawal when they couldn't get their drugs. There were five overdoses, according to the New York Post, at the East Harlem site that saw 85 users inject drugs with fentanyl, including heroin, and they survived. We have had some overdoses, says Kayleen C., Senior Director of Programs. Uh, They survived. Might have been a little better for us if they didn't survive. I mean, look, I hate to, I'm I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but this is insanity. Insanity that we're going to pay people to shoot up, but people who are trying to just get on with their lives have a certain degree of trepidation about these vaccines and have a very, very deserved level of skepticism about even the necessity for these vaccines, given the fact that they are not a panacea. They wear out. They're not like vaccines we took for other things when we were kids. You got the vaccine and you were protected. This thing is based primarily on a synthesized form of the virus that is not complete in its replication of the virus and gives you immunity for a limited period of time. And then its efficacy phase requiring you to get booster after booster after booster after booster. They're going to have you getting boosters forever. And they want you to believe this is for their health. I would say it's for the financial health of many of these pharmaceutical companies. And I've told you before, I'm not an enemy of the pharmaceutical companies. But at some point, you have to admit reality. Pfizer is making $1,000 a second on these vaccines. That's 60000 a minute. That's $3.6 million an hour. That's the better part of $85 million a day. Moderna was on the verge of bankruptcy before this vaccine came along. You don't think there's a financial incentive here? You're damn right there's a financial incentive here. But there is still more. Now the CDC director. People unable or unwilling to get Pfizer or Moderna should get Johnson & Johnson. Why? Because there are people that are skeptical about the messenger RNA technology, which the Pfizer and Moderna jabs use. Now, Johnson & Johnson, from what I understand, is a one-dose vaccine, but it's more like a traditional vaccine in that it actually uses a dead or weakened form of the virus so that your body can develop antibodies to the entire virus. You see, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine basically are synthesized. They have a, a, a cell that from the exterior looks like a spike protein like COVID. So when they give you the injection, your body develops antibodies to this size and shape virus. And so if you get infected with COVID, you're able to combat it. Doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID, just means you're going to get a more subdued case of it. But it can't really give you 100% protection because it doesn't have the internal part of the virus. The J&J does. So why Dr. Rochelle Walensky still says that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are preferred over the Johnson & Johnson one, she says, however, any vaccine is still better than remaining unvaccinated. Quote, given the current state of the pandemic, both here and around the world, 
Any vaccination is better than no vaccination. Individuals who are unable or unwilling to receive an mRNA vaccine will continue to have access to Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccines. Given the current state of the pandemic, doctor, what is the current state of the pandemic? Last I checked, the mortality rate here in the United States is 1.7%. That means the survival rate is 98.3%. Now, I mentioned at the top of the program that I was feeling a little under the weather. Well, let me tell you a little story. Anytime you get a cold today, everybody thinks they've got COVID. The very fact that COVID is out there doesn't mean that other things have gone away. You can still get sick without it necessarily being COVID. So I had a little bit of a sore throat. Patterson's I was a kid. I've had sore throats. You've had sore throats. A little sniffles. I mean, a little post-nasal drip. It wasn't really congested. So I took an antihistamine, felt better. No fever. No fever at all. Check my temperature every day. Perfect lung function. I have an oxygen sensor that I use. You know, you put your finger in it. Because they say, even if your lungs seem clear and you seem to be breathing with no difficulty, they still could be compromised. Not so. Blood oxygen was very good, 98. Pulse still low. Resting pulse of 60, 57. It was fine. And no loss of taste or smell. Uh, Finally, yesterday, actually Sunday, I started feeling a lot better. I felt better yesterday. I feel even better today. So then I started reading again all these things in the papers about this Omicron virus that everyone is scared to death of. Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. That's all you hear is Omicron. So I Googled Omicron. And it said that um, the cases are extremely mild that it's a very virulent variant of COVID. All these things, these influenzas get variants, even though we now know it was man-made. It didn't come from bats in a wet market. And Fauci's at the heart of this. Uh, But these things mutate over time. Now, this is the most contagious of the COVID variants. People are worried because cases are exploding but they're Omicron cases. And apparently the Omicron cases are so mild, even though it's very infectious, that you can get no fever. You can get no loss of taste or smell. You basically can be almost asymptomatic, just feeling a little tired. Like I was feeling a little tired. So now, with the benefit of hindsight, the possibility exists that I may very well have had the Omicron COVID variant. But if you're not getting a fever and you're not getting a loss of taste or smell and your lung function isn't impeded and you're basically asymptomatic, which has been 98% of the cases, what the hell are we worried about? What are we protecting ourselves from? It's almost like these idiots that you see driving in their car while they're by themselves wearing a mask. I so want to roll the window down in my car and get their attention and say, excuse me, I have two questions. Who are you protecting? And better yet, who are you protecting yourself from wearing this mask while you're alone in your car? Now, if you don't think this is about fear, if you don't think this is about controlling a population, make no mistake, it is. 
when you see things like this, people trying to convince you that you have something to worry about when you really don't, this is an unjustified fear. I mean, look, we know if you engage in certain behaviors, you can increase your risk for cancer. But people do it anyway. Within a certain degree, people have a right to make a choice. But government is always seeking to interfere in that choice. Government wants to tax smokers, saying that they raise health costs for the rest of us. Really? They want to tax smokers. Well, if it's that bad, why don't you just outlaw cigarettes? Oh, because then they'd lose the tax money, you see. But if it's okay to tax smokers because they unjustifiably raise health costs for the rest of us through their behaviors, why aren't we taxing these fat people, these couch potatoes, who do no exercise and just sit in front of the boob tube all day, sucking down bonbons? You try to tell me some guy that's Five foot nine and 350 pounds waddling around like a walrus. He's not raising health costs for everyone with his increase of heart disease, his increased risk of uh, COPD. Come on. Physical neglect is just as bad, maybe worse than smoking. I'll take my chances with a guy who works out all the time, maybe goes out with the guys on the weekend, has a few cocktails and smokes a cigar than I will the guy who sits home, never smokes, never drinks, but just eats himself to death like a fat pig. I'll take that first guy any day. But they're just going all over you. Left and right. So now we've got the legislature wanting to incarcerate you. We've got de Blasio, while the legislature is trying to protect you from yourself, uh, letting anyone shoot up. We have the border wide open. We have a city that's welcoming every illegal alien coming from any country in the world bearing any kind of disease, no tests for COVID or anything else on the border, but they're going to lock up citizens who they think form uh, or pose a threat. But murderers, rapists, robbers, they all get out with no bail. And there's, there's no inconsistency here, according to the administration, either at state, local, or federal level. And all of this continues to go on with the backdrop. We have other things going on. In Michigan, we have dead people on voter lists. There's a big lawsuit to remove dead people from the voter lists in Michigan. According to the president for the Public Interest Legal Foundation, back on November 3rd, they sued the Michigan State uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson for allegedly failing to remove from the state's voter rolls, <clears throat> excuse me, the names of 26,000 registered voters who have either died or moved away. And it creates an opportunity for fraud. Now, the lawsuit also makes an allegation that there were 334 people who registered to vote after they died, with 15 of those registrations occurring in 2020. Um, According to the uh, spokesman, they, nothing is wrong. They maintain their voter registration list in accordance with all state and federal laws. And as we've seen throughout the past year, she says, meritless lawsuits serve as press releases for those seeking to further election misinformation and undermine American democracy. We're trying to undermine American democracy because we know that there's been voter fraud. We're seeing it in Arizona. 
We're seeing it in Michigan. And these things are not meritless. A lot of anomalies and inconsistencies were uncovered by these state legislatures when they investigated these things. You're just not hearing about it because you're getting your news from mainstream media. And the mainstream media and the Democratic Party are one and the same. And all of this is designed to deflect. It's designed to deflect attention from the incompetence that's around you with the administration. They want your eye on the proverbial COVID ball. They don't want you to see unemployment. They don't want you to see businesses that are wrecked. They don't want you to see uh, the gas prices spiraling out of control, although recently they have begun to come down. They don't want you to see the crisis at the border that no one is talking about anymore. They don't want you to see any of these things, including what's going on uh, with voter laws. They want you to have this thing going on forever. This is something they've either they did it deliberately with the Chinese or they capitalized on the opportunity to try and undermine our election systems. And I think it's incredible that the people who did engage in fraud and undermine our elections are accusing the rest of us of undermining the elections because we were pissed off and we protested at the Capitol and we continue to protest now. Doesn't anybody with an ounce of sanity see that it's virtually impossible? I've been watching presidential elections since I was a little kid. I, re- I still remember the day that JFK got shot when I was just a, a four-year-old. And I remember watching the election of Richard Nixon back in 1968, uh, I mentioned that because I can verify the year. So I've been watching elections for a lot of time, for a lot of years. Back when the counting uh, was done in a very different way and the ballots were taken in a very different way and never in any of those elections did the counting have to stop overnight. No reason for it to stop. Why would you have to stop? Just keep counting. It's going to take you long. Well, it's not going to be any shorter by stopping and coming back in the morning. You count. Isn't anyone bothered by the fact that the counting was stopped simultaneously in six states? And all of those six states where the simultaneous stopping occurred were states where Trump was ahead in every one of them at the time the counting was stopped and our states where there were all manner of allegations and where the laws were changed by either the governor or the secretary of state beyond the authority given to them. It's supposed to be changed by the legislature, all based on this COVID nonsense. Nobody could go and vote in person. We all had to vote by mail. We all had to vote online. We all had to vote on different days. Meanwhile, all these same people who were so fearful of voting, so the government told you, were the same people waiting online at Walmart and the A&P and Stop and Shop and ShopRite, shoulder to shoulder, getting things that they need day to day. But the voting, oh, no, no, can't do that. Can't do that. You're being played, ladies and gentlemen. You're being played in a very, very big way, and it now should become increasingly apparent to everyone exactly what is going on, and it is becoming apparent. Now there are armed militia groups in many states that are intending to rise up if Donald Trump is not reelected in 2024. Now, that's a little premature because we don't know if he's running in 2024. I believe he is, but I believe he's waiting to see what happens in 2022. 
It's imperative that we take back the Congress in 2022, the Senate and the House. Because as long as we can take back the House and the Senate, if Trump decides to run and gets in, there'll be nobody running these phony impeachment things. But the people who are accusing us and everyone else of undermining the Republic are themselves trying to undermine the Republic. Can't you see that all of this is a recipe to break you out? They're going to use these things arbitrarily and capriciously, like this contemplated law in New York State, as a political weapon against people they deem to be disruptive or their enemies. And they will break you out. That's what they're doing by this. They've broken out businesses with this COVID nonsense. I went to a place this morning in Upper Manhattan in Washington Heights that was a thriving coffee donut shop for years. They used to do $30,000 a week. They were open 24 hours a day. That's pretty good money selling Cubano sandwiches and coffee and so forth. I was in there at 9 o'clock this morning. All the girls behind the counter that used to work there all gone. One old man, the owner, and a chef in the back. He said, I was the sixth customer since 7 o'clock in the morning. Can't make a living with only six customers coming in over a two-hour period. Where do all these people go? They're going to break these businesses out. And when they've broken everybody out, you'll have no choice but to go hat in hand to the government. And then you'll be controlled. And that's what they're trying to do right now. They're controlling you. Make no mistake about it. So you're going to have to choose. At some point, when are you going to say, enough is enough? I've had it. When are you going to stand up and fight so that your children, if you have any, have a chance at some semblance of the freedom of life that you enjoyed growing up? The ability to go out, play in a park, unfettered, not having to worry about danger around every corner, not being told you have to wear a mask like a bloody bank robber. At some point, it's got to end. It has to end. If they keep pushing in the current direction, it's going to end in a bloody revolution because people can only be pushed so far. Communism has been rejected wherever it's tried, because it's a failed concept. And yet there are people in this country that say, well, it's only failed because it hasn't been done the right way. What's the right way? Well, the right way is what they're doing now. This is a new type of communism. See, in the old communism, communism took over and appropriated every business entity. The government ran everything. In this new sort of socialist communism, they're not doing that. Instead, they're going to regulate you to death. They're going to regulate every business. And when it fails, they're going to blame it on the ineptitude of the people that ran it and the fundamental ineptitude and uh, infirmities of capitalism as a whole. Not because of government intrusion and suffocating regulation. This is a completely sinister approach that they're employing here. And you better wake up and smell the coffee because as Charles M. Russell from Montana in 1926 said, guard, protect, and cherish your land for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury. See you next time.